0: All right, Easter is back, man. Isn't that good? So, the comeback, you know, we, uh, I, love, uh, I love a comeback story. And, uh, you know, last year we couldn't gather as the church, but this year it's Easter together. Man, we we're able to gather together as the body of Christ. It's awesome looking out, seeing your faces here on Easter weekend, Easter Sunday. And uh, it's, good to, it's good to be able to gather as the body of Christ. So, man, I love it. I love it. So, being able to be together is a big deal. We've, uh, you know, this past year has been crazy, but we've been able to gather today. To celebrate the, celebrate the power of the resurrection. And so that's what Easter's about. There's a, there's a lot involved in Easter weekend, and I kind of want us to unpack a little bit of that uh, this weekend. And so I can remember only missing one Easter uh, since I got saved. I got saved at the age of 19. And, and anyway, so Easter was always a celebration to me, it was always exciting. And so a few years ago, I was sick, really bad sick, one weekend and uh and really for the whole week I'd been sick and I had no energy I could only get from maybe from the from the bed to the couch and from the couch back to the bed and Easter Sunday I just couldn't get up and go and so Laurie walked in she was like you're not going to Easter Sunday I said I can't even I don't even have the energy to get dressed and so anyway I just been battling some stuff and anyway whenever she got home I had made it to the the front porch swing and I was laying on the front porch swing when she got home you know and, uh, and so anyway so last year not being able to be together was Man, that was tough. I know we did online. If you're online, welcome. We're glad you're here. And uh, it allowed us to maybe work on some things. So God always has a plan. But Easter, being together, is such a celebration. And I want us to look at something we celebrate. We celebrate the cross of Christ. Man, we celebrate the cross of Christ. And so Friday was was Good Friday. And if if you don't know the story, maybe you're here today just because someone invited you. But man, all of last week is important because it builds toward Sunday. It's building towards the resurrection. And, and so one of my favorite times to reflect is Good Friday. And I don't know about you, but I think about, you know, what was happening throughout that day. Like I'll look at my watch and I'll go, or right, about this time, he was going through the malt trials. About this time, you know, they were preparing him or whatever, you know. And at 9 o'clock, I'll go, 9 o'clock, you know, they're, they're hanging him on the cross. And so from 9 until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, he's hanging on a cross. And, at, and during that window of, of, of the day, when I'm looking at my watch, I'll just think about he's, he's struggling for breath on the cross, and he's paying for my sins and my transgressions. He's, he's paying for my greed and my jealousy. And, and I don't know about you, but it's a personal thing. So when I, on Good Friday, I'm, I'm thinking about what is happening throughout that day. And then at 3 o'clock, he breathes his last and I know for a lot of people, they look at that and they go, we celebrate the cross of Christ, and people probably on the outside looking in would go, why would you celebrate the death of your leader? Why would you celebrate the death of the, the, the one who you were following? And a lot of people probably thought the same thing, you know, whenever they, they would hear the disciples and they would hear some of the, the followers say after the resurrection, like, why are you celebrating the cross of Christ why are you celebrating the cross of Christ? Let's, let's take a look at it. Jesus was guilty of no crime and had done incredible good. So Jesus had no crime that he had committed, and he had done incredible good. I mean, so here is a guy who is going around, he's healing the lame. He's healing the blind. Can you imagine, you know, being blind, never been able to see, and then all of a sudden Jesus touches your eyes, you know, and, and you're able to see, and you're able to see in vivid color, bright colors, like we see these Easter colors, you ever see that? Have you ever seen somebody put on glasses that they've designed that now that if you're colorblind, you can put them on, you can see colors, and you see the expression on their face? They're overwhelmed. They're, they're wowed by it. And they're like, you know, that's red, and they can see colors that they couldn't see before. I grew up, my dad was, was colorblind, and I remember he would have to come in and say, what color are these socks? And I'd be like, what is wrong with you? But he was colorblind. But being able to see color. I mean, we take that for granted, but Jesus was, he was healing the blind. He was healing those who were crippled and and people had heard about this guy and they were bringing their friends to him. And there's even a story of a bunch of guys who went and got their friend and they put him on a mat and they bring him and they can't get into the house and they tear a hole through the roof just to get him to this guy who is doing such good. And he gets, they get him down in front of Jesus and Jesus heals him. And so there's all this incredible good that's going on. And we read this, it says Jesus was guilty of no crime and had done incredible good, yet he was crucified. He was crucified. You would think that's the one guy you would want to keep alive. Those of us that have family members or friends that are battling cancer, you know, or battling some kind of disease, we would want to be able to get them to Jesus. We'd do everything we could to get them there. But yet they would crucify Christ. It says the most painful and horrendous death in the ancient world. And I don't know how much you know about it. I know oftentimes now we we wear the cross as as jewelry it's a necklace or maybe it's earrings or we hanging in our house and and it's beautiful to us now because we are on the other side of the story but in the day it was the most horrible way to die it was the most humiliating way to die and so the romans they were they were they were perfectionist at this they knew how to do this where there was the most suffering most pain and here's the thing the most humiliation they wanted to totally totally humiliate whoever had rebelled against them or whoever had gone you know, against them, committed a crime against them, and they wanted to make it clear to everybody, that, hey, you mess with Rome, this is what you get. They said, so we will do this to you, just like we've done it to this person here. And so whenever they would do the crucifixion, they wanted it to be public, they wanted everybody to see it. It was a symbol of, hey, listen, you mess with us, we take care of you. And, and so it was a horrible, horrible way to die. His hands and feet were nailed to intersecting wooden beams, that's the cross, which were then lifted up and placed in the ground. Maybe you've seen some depictions of what the, the crucifixion was like. But they would drive the nails through his hands and through his feet, and they would nail it into the wood, and then they would take it and they would drop it into the hole. And you might think, well, that's probably just Hollywood trying to make it dramatic. But the thing is, is remember, the Romans wanted to make sure that everybody that saw this saw this was the harshest, meanest, you know, toughest way to die. And so they would drop it into this hole, and it would hit, and the flesh would rip. And so that's our Savior on a cross. Every time Jesus needed to breathe, he had to lift himself up, tearing his flesh in the process. And see, the whole, co- the whole goal of this was to be a slow death. They didn't want him to die quickly. They wanted him to suffer. They wanted him to hang in front of people. And we often see Jesus with a sash around him, but oftentimes they would hang them there completely naked just to humiliate them. And they would hang there and they would struggle to breathe. And so Jesus would have to pull up on his flesh because it's through his hands and in his feet. He had to push up with his feet to be able to kind of get a breath because the way they hung him, they would die of asphyxiation of, you know, just they would, they would just wouldn't be able to breathe. And so oftentimes whenever we look back at that, we, we see that as beautiful now and we celebrate it, which seems crazy to some people, but it's because of the resurrection that we can celebrate the cross of Christ. And so when we look at this, we realize, you know what, man, this is a painful, horrible process. Every moment on the cross, Jesus was in excruciating pain and was mocked, ridiculed, and spat upon. And so for you and for me, He hung there. For six hours on a Friday, He hung between heaven and hell to pay for your sins and my sins, to pay for our transgressions, our greed, our hate, our anger. Whatever the sin may be that we struggle with, that's what He paid for for with His precious blood covering the sacrificial need the perfect lamb and so we celebrate the cross now it seems weird you look at that and you go man you know how in the world do you celebrate that i can remember before i was a believer even whenever i would read about what they did to jesus by spitting on him and pulling parts of his beard out and punching him and saying prophesy man it would make me mad and and as a believer i would just weep I can read those passages and and just weep thinking about that's what Jesus went through for me. But here's what I want you to understand. He chose, he chose to go to the cross for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. He was compelled by love to go to the cross. He was compelled by love to hang on the cross for six hours battling to breathe. He was compelled by love for you. He wanted to be obedient to the Father's will, and the Father knew that His Son would have to be crucified to pay for the sins of the world. And so it would bother me to read that, that He had been spat upon and humiliated. Jesus also had a crown of thorns placed on His head, and His side was pierced with a sword that crown of thorns you know we think of it as something powerful now and sometimes we even have i've had one in my office that someone had fashioned out of some big thorns long thorns like that you know and it's a reminder of what they did but it's not something really to be celebrated because in the day when they put it on his head you, you call yourself a king and they would force it down and the thorns would cut into the flesh and the blood would pour and they're humiliating jesus all the more with a crown of thorns and then they would pierce his side so his blood poured out of his body. Finally, after such horrible treatment, intense pain, Jesus died. He breathed his last. He released his spirit. He says, Father, it is finished. He had done what he had come to do. He had come to literally pay for the sins of the world. That part was finished. But God wasn't done. Don't you love the resurrection? Man, I love it. We celebrate the cross because it paid for our sin debt and it brings about forgiveness. We celebrate the cross because we know that without the cross, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the precious bl- blood of, of the Lamb of Christ, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no, there's, there's no covering. And so we celebrate it. And so for us on the other side who understand what the cross of Christ represents, we celebrate, we say Hallelujah. Man, we say hallelujah. He, he, has, he has died for, for the sins of the world. And we're thankful. And hopefully you're driven to the point of being thankful. You want to live a life of thankfulness for what Christ has done. It brings about forgiveness. See, God can forgive our, our sins, past, present, and future. And we can be completely forgiven. We can be washed as white as snow. We, we can have an encounter with Christ. We can be, become part of his family, part of the church, part of the bride of Christ, and we're adopted into his family. We become co-heirs with Christ because of what Christ did on the cross. So that is why we celebrate it, right? We celebrate the cross, as horrible as it seems. And I'm sure that people look at it and they go, why would you celebrate that kind of horrific scene? I had a mom tell me uh, last night, she said, you know, I let my girls watch the uh crucif i mean the uh the passion of the christ for the first time they've been asking for years and they're teenagers she said and i felt like it was finally time for them to be able to watch it and she said it was tough for me as a mom to watch them just weep and just bawl their eyes out and when it got to the end they didn't even really want to talk they just went straight to bed i said well let me tell you i said as a grown man when i watched it for the first time i bawled just like that i cried i just wept i remember holding kleenex in my in my, in my face, I'm at a movie theater, and all you could hear was weeping and wailing. Weeping and wailing. And I can remember going, you know, if Jesus can do this for me, why can't I live for him? How can I not live for him? If he went through this so that I might have life and might live eternally, then why can I not live for him? And so his life, death, and resurrection literally changed the course of human history. It's changed my life. It can change your life. But it changed everything. You know, we look at the the calendar. It says B.C. before Christ, A.D. after his death. And so the whole calendar that we live, your birthday is is aligned because of literally the, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It changed everything and has impacted the world. Here we are over 2,000 years later in a room filled with people that have gathered to hear and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Beautiful. What a beautiful picture, man. And so Jesus experienced the ultimate setback and then had the greatest comeback of all time. So the setback is this. You know, we think of death as finality, right? Hey, they breathed their last. They've passed on is what we often say. And and so Jesus died. I mean, and I want you to understand he died. There There wasn't a resuscitation that took place. This is a resurrection that took place. And there's a lot of people that try to disprove the resurrection. How do we disprove it? So, because if we can disprove it, then we can say, hey, this is just a fairy tale or whatever. But whenever they look back and you look at the evidence that's there, you go, you know what, there's no question. And not even in secular books or anything else is there a question whether or not Jesus died. He died. But we look back and we go, you know, he, it was the ultimate setback, it seemed. I don't know how many of you guys, I'm going to show my age, how many of you guys remember Carmen? Carmen, the Christian music, musician who did The Champion. Anybody? Raise your hand. Raise them high so I don't feel so old. Man, that's awesome. All right. I don't know if you remember the the, the song that he did called The Champion, but whenever I had first gotten saved, even our youth group kind of did a skit to that. And, uh, and anyway, so it's this picture that is painted by Carmen as only Carmen can do. You know, he died this past year, and it was just one of those tough things for me because I remembered all the songs that Carmen did. I had been a believer uh, not too long whenever I got kind of you know, exposed to him and turned on him. And I was like, man, you know, this guy's awesome. He used to do big old concerts. He would sell out Dallas stadium, cowboy stadium, you know, and people would come in and, and all he would do it for was an offering. It was incredible. And so he did this, this, this song called the champion and he sets it up. Like there's this cosmic coliseum, you know, in the middle of the, of the universe. And, and it's the, the ultimate evil Satan, Lucifer, you know, he's coming against Jesus, the son of God. And he sets it up as only Carmen can do. And you, maybe you ought to go home and just kind of do YouTube and look it up and watch that song today. It's about nine minutes long. I'll put it that way. But he's building, he's building, he's building. And he talks about how there's this battle that rages between the two. God the Father is overseeing the battle. And he says, and, and, and Lucifer, Satan brought everything he had. And for 40 days and 40 nights he couldn't land a blow. He said, and then Jesus lowers his hands. And Satan delivers the blow. He says there was shock and awe. The demons squeal with their joy and the, the saints are perplexed. But God begins to count it down. As God begins to count it down, it's not from one, but he starts at 10. He's counting it down. It's just a cool song. Man, it's giving me chills just talking about it. But I'm telling you, you need to look it up. And so anyway, it's this picture of this battle that has taken place. And, and so you're talking about a comeback, man. It's a comeback, the greatest comeback of all time so let's talk about the resurrection let's read what what scripture says here out of matthew it says early on sunday morning i think about like today could not have been a a more beautiful sun sunrise and and easter morning i mean it's beautiful outside and i can only imagine that on the morning that jesus was resurrected god the father who, who who created all things who spoke all things into existence i can only imagine he said you know what today the sun's gonna be brighter than it's ever been man it's gonna be a morning like no other morning And so early on Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Why were they going to visit the tomb? It wasn't to to look for a resurrected Savior. They were going to take spices to take care of a dead body. These are his followers who he had told them over and over about the kingdom of God and what would take place. And, And he said, hey, listen, guys, he said, three days and I'll rise again. Three days and I'll rise again. And so they're going there, not looking for a resurrected Savior. They're going there to take care of the body because of the foul stench of a dead body, you know, the spices and all that stuff may make it better for a while. And, and so they're, they're there for that. So, so they went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. I love this picture here. You know, like I said, when I, when I read the Scripture... I, I have a I have a word picture, if you will, or a, a visual of what that looks like. And so, as I see Mary Magdalene and them there go, show up, and this angel shows up, rolls the stone away, and then sits on it. It's like, you know what? Hey, man, this is nothing. Rolls it out of the way, like job done. Sits on it. And so, for me, I can remember as a kid going, "How cool!" is that mental picture right there. Can you envision what that was like? They're walking up, there's an earthquake, the ground's shaking, and then all of a sudden, angel just rolls it out of the way like it's nothing and then sits on the stone. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. They just collapsed. I would too, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, man, if something showed up that his face was like lightning, man, he just rolled the stone out of the way like it was nothing, Man, I probably would faint too. But I can just picture that taking place. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus. Who was crucified. See, the angel doesn't question whether or not he was crucified and died. But I love the fact, he says, I know that you're looking for Jesus. And I would just ask you are you looking for jesus are you searching for him maybe you've been searching for him for a long time maybe but here's the thing many times we often have our eyes focused on other things maybe we're looking for someone to complete us as hollywood says some relationship not jesus we're looking for some job to finally give us you know the the money we feel like we deserve. Maybe we're looking for something to own so that people will respect us. Maybe we're looking for acceptance in this world. Maybe we're looking for someone that really cares about us. And we've got our eyes on everything but Jesus. But I love that he he says, I know that you're looking for Jesus. And I would ask you, who are you looking for? What are you looking for? Are you looking for Jesus? Because here's the thing, he's easy to be found. He's easy to be found. I love it, man. I love the, the gospel, He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. So the angel says, hey, listen, he's not here. He's alive. He is risen. Man, Jesus has risen just like he said. And you know that they're probably going, yeah, he did talk about that. But the angels make clear, he's not here. Come in here and look and look at where he was laying. He's not here. He's alive. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Seeing Jesus is a big deal. Seeing his work and seeing how he's at work and seeing how he is is pursuing us. He wants a relationship with us. It's important for us to understand. Remember what I've told you. So the angels say, listen, remember what I'm telling you. When you go back, tell the disciples this. It's important for you to understand that he is risen. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angels' message. You know, I think about, for me, the age of 19, whenever I prayed to receive Christ, I can remember being afraid. Man, I I wanted Jesus. I wanted to be saved. I wanted to know that I was going to heaven when I died. I wanted to know that I was in right standing with God. But, man, I was afraid. I was afraid of what I might have to give up. I was afraid of, you know, what if I don't measure up? What if I'm not good enough? I had all these kind of things in my mind. And one of my biggest fears that the church that I grew up in, you had to walk down to the front. When you got down there, they would turn you around and say, Hey, listen, everybody. This is Mike and he just gave his life to Christ and that was the biggest fear in my life was being up in front of people. And so I remember thinking, you know, God, I, I want to give you my life. I can't do that, you know, and I would negotiate with God. And I remember that night saying, God, I just, if you'll get me there, I'll give you my life. And here's the thing is once I put my faith in Christ, I was filled with a joy that I can't even put into words. I, I felt like there was a light that had gone inside of me. I felt like I was, I was clean. From the inside out, I got an old redneck uh, friend of mine. He's a pastor. His name is Rick Higgins. and he said, "Mike, he said, you know what that is? He said, whenever he said whenever the wash cycle is going on in your heart, he said the the rent cycle comes out through your eyes." Because I couldn't stop weeping that night. That night, I, I knew, man, that I was his. I knew that I was I was part of God's family, and I knew that I was saved. And, and like I said, I've never gotten over that. But I can remember just weeping and weeping, I couldn't couldn't go to sleep that night, and I kept thinking about what God had done for me, and I was filled with great joy. It says, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. We've got a message to share, don't we? It's called the gospel, the good news, that God loves people, and he wants a relationship with them. The greatest comeback in history had just taken place. I mean, this is, this is the greatest comeback. Jesus is dead. He has been dead for three days. and the power of God, he's been resurrected. And through this, the power of the resurrection that God has, has literally performed some of the greatest miracles. And he has defeated death. This is what I love, that death had been defeated. Death is defeated. Here's what we often do is we live in fear of death. COVID, man, has had so many people in fear of death. For the believer, we should never fear death because Jesus has defeated death. We have been given a number of days that we will live on this place. On this planet, we're here for a season. We know that. We're only passing through. We're, we're strangers, if you will, in this land. Passing through. But our home is really in heaven for the believer. For We start focusing on the kingdom of God and not this world. Then death should not be something that we live in fear of. Because one day, I don't know if you guys know this, but one out of one people in here will breathe their last one day. Unless Jesus steps out on a cloud and takes you home. But we will all die at some point. The question is where will you go when you die who do you belong to when you breathe your last for the believer when you breathe your last breath here you breathe your first breath of heaven you know and so for me whenever i'm able to do someone's funeral man i, I want to know about them and i want to know where if they had a relationship with christ you know and, and oftentimes what we do is we celebrate their life but we also thank god for the hope and the promise of eternal life and so death has been defeated jesus has defeated death with the power of the resurrection i mean death could not hold him death uh, death did not stop him the grave could not hold him the grave you know why was jesus put in a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to use it long he said hey in three days i'll rise again and so he's put in this borrowed tomb and and the power of the resurrection man brings jesus to life and defeats death And these disciples are going to see that, you know what? Death's not so bad. The grave, grave can't hold Jesus. It won't hold us either. Sin had been defeated. I think this is critical for us to understand. Sin had been defeated with the power of the resurrection. Sin had been put down, defeated. That we no longer have to live as slaves to sin, but we can literally be slaves to righteousness. For the believer, we put our, our faith in Christ. Sin is what had separated us from God. Our jealousy, our pride, our hatred, our anger, you know, our, our stealing, whatever it might be. All those things, that sin is what had, had caused the rift and caused a need for Jesus to go to the cross. And so the sin that I had committed, the sin that you've committed, is what put Jesus on the cross. That and God said that someone had to pay the price. And so God put his son on the cross. Many of us would say, why in the world would God put his son on the cross? I I have three boys. I wouldn't want them to die for anybody in that way. But God knew that, you know what? We would never get there without that, without the cross. Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And so sin had been defeated by the power of the resurrection. And so Jesus had defeated Satan. Satan had been defeated. I know a lot of people say, Well, Satan's not defeated because he's still doing a lot right now. Here's what I love about Scripture. If you go back and you read Scripture, you understand that Satan has been defeated. If you read the end of the book, if you go to Revelation, you look, even in Revelation twelve, twelve it says that Jesus, I mean that Jesus has defeated Satan, and that Satan has a small amount of time. In other words, the, the timer on what his activities might be has already been set. And there's a point coming where he will be cast into the lake of fire, which is hell. And and, and he has already been defeated. All that has been set in motion with the power of the resurrection. And so whenever we look back, we don't have to say, well, Satan sure seems to be running rampant in this world. It's only because God has allowed him to have this season. And that's God's authority. God is over all things. And so his job is to do everything he can to destroy and and to try to draw people away. And what Jesus came was to offer life, eternal life. Satan wants to prowl around destroy all that he can but we know he's been defeated i love this here even the disciples did not believe until they became eyewitnesses of jesus resurrection they were huddled up in a room they were in fear of their lives they were afraid of what death they were afraid of what happened to jesus might happen to them and, and so even they didn't believe when the when the women came in the the ladies come in they say hey listen Jesus is alive. He, he's, he's been resurrected. They didn't believe it. There's a great depiction. You know, if you watch some of the movies, there's some great movies out right now that you ought to watch. You know, we spend so much time watching movies. Maybe watch some that have meaning to them that really last forever. But like Risen is a pretty cool movie that's out right now. And it's from a, a, a lost person's perspective on the gospel and on the on the crucifixion, and the resurrection. And then there's one where, where, the, where Jesus literally is talking to, to the disciples. He walks into the room and and he, he's talking to them. And you can see the nail scars in his hands. But they're all huddled up. They're all huddled up in there. Look at this passage here. Jesus appears to his disciples. That Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders are the ones that had rallied the crowd, right? The Jewish leaders are the ones that had Jesus arrested. The Jewish leaders are the ones that they're afraid of. So here's, here's these disciples that have literally huddled up in a room behind a locked door, afraid. They're letting fear rule in their life, and they're afraid of death. They're, they're going, hey, we saw Jesus crucified. We saw them run a spear into his side or a sword into his side, and blood and water pour forth. We saw him breathe his last. We saw him placed in a borrowed tomb. And we know that there's, there's, there's Roman soldiers that are guarding it so that nobody could even get to him. And so, man, they were struggling. Can you imagine what that room was like? They're probably huddled up maybe looking at each other with that kind of nervous energy, anxiety, just kind of weighing all over them like a wet blanket. You know, and they're, they're looking around, probably rubbing their hands. They're, they're going, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Where are we, Do we need to split up? Do we need to hide? Because they know that we're his followers. We're called his disciples. You know that they're coming. So what do we do? And they're looking at Peter. Peter, what do we do? John, what do we do? Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. I love that. That just just melts me, man. So here's the thing. They're all filled with anxiety, fear, fear of death, fear of the Jewish leaders, fear of the crucifixion, fear of everything. And Jesus walks in and says, peace. Peace be with you. And I can only imagine that the anxiety just kind of melted away. The fear began to melt away. And I'm sure that they were beginning to go, is this real? You ever, you ever woke up from a dream and you go, was that real or was that a dream? And there's times you wake up and you go, man, I hope that was a dream. And there's times you wake up and you go, man, I wish that was real. You know what I'm saying? So you wonder where they going. hey, is this real? Is this legit? I mean, is this, is this really our savior? Is this really our Lord? Is this really our leader? And he's there, but he speaks peace over them. The one thing they were missing. He speaks peace over them. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And so Jesus literally walks over, and he says, hey, put your hand in my hand. And and there's a great depiction, like I said, in in one of the shows or one of the movies where when Jesus moves his hand, you can see the nail hole through his hand. And he says to Thomas, put your hand in my hand. Put your hand in my side. These wounds are real. So Jesus helped them to understand, hey, this is real i'm really alive i was really crucified i'm really alive i love this it says they were filled with joy when they saw the lord something about seeing jesus continues to pop up over and over and over when they saw him they were filled with joy you know i I think back like i said to my salvation i think about how i feel but imagine these guys they watched him crucified they watched him beaten you know they watched all these things take place They watched the people spit upon him, hurl insults, crucify him, crucify him. They watched all of it. They watched the mob worked into a frenzy. They watched him breathe his last. Not all of them did because some ran away. But then to see him walk into a room and say, touch my hands and touch my side. Man, they were filled with joy. Jesus not only appeared to these guys, but it says he walked around Jerusalem for 40 days. See, there's oftentimes that people will try to... Say, you know, hey, I believe that Jesus died, but I don't believe in the resurrection. And we often, you know, we, we need to see, you know, witnesses and stuff. But I love this here. Th- this is out of Acts chapter 1. And, and Luke is the writer, he's the author of of this. This is the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. And, and I don't know if you know this, but oftentimes people will try to challenge the historicity of the Bible, and that is the, the historical accuracy of the Bible. But Luke is considered even by common you know, secular historians to be one of the greatest historians of all time. He's one of the greatest historians. He has great detail. He does a great job of, of, of documenting things. And so he's considered a, a phenomenal historian. And so it says in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. So this is, this is him talking about the, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. It says, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus literally empowered them. He gave them instructions. He filled them with the Holy Spirit. He said, hey, listen, you're going to go out and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to do some incredible things. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. How did he prove it? By touching his hands, by touching his side by fixing them breakfast on the seashore by giving them encouragement you know I think about that room I wonder if he said hey guys come in here man let's get a hug group hug group hug you know I don't know but just whatever they need he he put his hands on them maybe they just needed a hug you know sometimes you need a hug you know it COVID's been tough there's a lot of people that need hugs they just need somebody they need to know that someone loves them And so I can only imagine what it was like. But Jesus spent time with them, says, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. See, the focus for Christ before the cross and before the resurrection was the kingdom of God. And here we see after the power of the resurrection, it's still the focus is the kingdom of God. And too often we see too many believers and people that their focus is on this world. Their focus is on this world. Satan is the ruler of this world. That's what Scripture says. he's he's the father of all lies he's the prince of darkness and he rules and he reigns in this world trying to do all that he can to destroy what god is trying to do and we want to question god why would you even let that happen but he's god we're not but here jesus is talking about the kingdom of god we see apostle paul come along along with 500 witnesses who saw jesus again they see him right they see jesus and so apostle paul you're talking about a comeback? Here's a guy who was persecuting the church. Here's a guy who was doing everything he can to stop this teaching called The Way. And The Way, it was not called Christianity back in the day when it first started. It was called The Way. And what it was, was Jesus had said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so oftentimes they would say those people, they're following the way that Jesus lived. They're following the way that Jesus loved. They're following the way that Jesus forgives. They're, they're literally living like Jesus did. And later on, we would see where they would be called Christians. And that name has kind of stuck. And now it's, hey, they're like Christ. They live like Christ. Hopefully, that is what we do. We live in a way that honors Christ and lives for Him. But Paul was doing everything he could to put down this teaching. He felt like it was a false teaching. He felt like it was a crazy teaching. That a man is resurrected from the dead. He couldn't believe that, you know, that this was literally beginning to take off. This, this teaching was beginning to spread everywhere. And people were giving their life to Christ. People were becoming a part of the body of Christ. And so Paul is like, you know, I'm going to put it down. He had marching orders. He had been given papers to be able to have people arrested, have them beaten, have them flogged, even maybe put to death, but be, to definitely be arrested. And so Paul has an encounter. And so Paul ends up having an encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. And he bumps into Jesus. And Jesus asked him, he goes, Paul, back then his name was Saul. He goes, Saul, he goes, why do you persecute me? And so Saul falls to his knees and he's blinded by the brilliance and the light of Christ. And he goes and he has to wait for someone to come and pray over him. In the early church, the, the leaders, they were a little bit nervous about this guy. It's like, hey, this is the guy that was trying to kill us. This is the guy that's trying to stop our teaching. But Jesus changed his life. And man, he became one of the greatest missionaries, second only to Christ. Wrote, a, wrote most of the New Testament we see here in 1 Corinthians. He says, I pass on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. No question he died, right? No question Jesus died on the cross. No, he, Christ died for our sins just as the Scripture said. All of that was prophesied. He fulfilled it. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And so, Apostle Paul is saying, Hey, listen, they saw him with their own eyes. He appeared to the, these guys. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, the most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And so, here's the thing He's saying, Hey, listen, at one time, there were 500 people that saw Jesus at one time. It'd be like saying, Hey, listen, I saw Mike Mazingo on that stage at that church. And then, let me just say, there's probably not 500 people in here. And so if that many people saw that, you think about it in our courts today, they would say, hey, listen, if there's two or three witnesses we'll will say, hey, listen, they put you at the scene of that issue, then you would say, then it must be true. Well, if this many people saw me stand on the stage, they would say, he, he was really there. 500 people see Jesus, and we want to question whether or not he was alive. In any court today, that would stand, correct? That would stand. So after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Apostle Paul is talking about his encounter on the road to Damascus. It changed his life. And I'm just telling you, man, when we see Jesus when we have an encounter with Jesus, it changes lives still. Here's a great question for us. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen his love for you? Have you seen the cross and realized he went there for me? Have you seen the damage that sin can do in a person's life and realized I need a savior? Have, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen your mom or your dad praying for you? Have you seen Jesus in someone else? You can see it in their smile. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their love for people. You can see it in them that they're quick to forgive. They follow Jesus. They live like Jesus. And there you go, man, I see Jesus. Or are you chasing the things of this world? Your eyes focused on the wrong things. And then here's probably the more important question is, have you had an encounter with Jesus? Because I believe that people saw Jesus that never had a real encounter. I, I believe there's some that watched him, you know, heal people. And they go, man, this guy's amazing. You know, but they also were part of the mob that got worked into a frenzy that the, the Jewish leaders would say, hey, let's crucify him. And they would go, crucify him, crucify him. And they'd say, who do you want? Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? We want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Free Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. And see, I think there's people that probably saw that. They saw Jesus, but they did not have an encounter. They did not put their faith in him. They didn't believe. They didn't believe with all the faith that they had. They saw, hey, man, he's a good teacher. He seemed to be a good guy but men that got worked into a frenzy they followed the crowd I love this passage here out of Romans and you see who's writing this, this is Paul who used to be Saul he wrote the book of Romans and listen to what it says it says, since we have been united with him in his death those of us who have put our faith in Christ those of us who have died to self those of us who have crucified the flesh I think back to the night that I prayed to receive Christ. I said, Jesus, I give you my life. I die to living for me. I want to live for you. I want to be your slave. I want to do what you want me to do. That was literally my mindset. I didn't know enough to understand all of that, but I just knew I wanted to be surrendered completely to Christ. He says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So when we die to self and we put our faith in christ then we are given eternal life death is no longer going to keep us captive if you think back to the disciples man once they had that experience with christ they saw that he was alive they saw that he had defeated death they saw that he had defeated the grave they were not afraid of romans they were not afraid of the jewish leaders they were not afraid of anybody they went out and proclaimed the gospel they would preach anywhere anytime and whenever they would try to silence them they say is it better for us to obey God or to obey man and so they had no fear of death anymore because they had watched their leader their Lord conquer death conquer sin conquer the grave and they went forward with a boldness and here we are over 2,000 years later because of the work that they did building the kingdom of God they were filled with the spirit of the living God they had no fear of death anymore We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Let me ask you, are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to righteousness? See, too often what we do is we we try to see how close we can get to sin. And we justify our sin. We say, well, I'm sinful, but I'm not as bad as these people. I'm not as bad as these people. And hey, the Bible says we're all going to sin. The Bible says we have all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. We have all missed it by a mile. But we can be redeemed and we can live as righteous people. No longer having to live as a slave to sin. No longer having to give in every time there's a temptation. Will there be temptations that come our way? Absolutely. But we are no longer a slave to sin. We have been given authority and power over that, and we have the ability to say no and walk away. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Set free. you talking about freedom? Here in America. We love to talk about freedom. And a lot of times freedom for us is to be able to say what we want to say or do what we want to do. But man, real freedom is whenever you're free from the power of sin. That's real freedom. That's what Jesus offers to you and to me. Offers us real freedom. And here's the thing is we don't worry about what death or what someone might take away from us. Because we know that we have Christ and we have power over sin, power over death, and power over the grave. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. If Jesus was resurrected the disciples knew you know what he's our leader he's our Lord if we follow him we get it all we get everything says we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again this is Paul writing this is the guy who was trying to put down this teaching he said man we are sure of this we're confident of this because Christ was raised from the dead he will never ever die again he's defeated death death no longer has any power over him i love that man that will preach when we die, when he died he died once to break the power of sin but now that he lives he lives for the glory of god and i love this he said hey listen everything is to bring glory to the father and listen to what he says to us so you also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to god through christ jesus every one of us every believer no longer justifying our sin. No, no longer trying to see how close we can get to it. No longer being drawn to it and wanting it. And even looking for ways to sin. But we desire to be righteous. We desire to be godly. We desire to be a witness, an ambassador of who Christ is. And so I love the statement here. that You can overcome any setback through the, the strength that God gives. There may be some of you that, man, you, you, you feel like, you know what, man, I've been knocked down. I'm on the mat I'm flat on my back. I I don't, Mike, I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe it's an emotional situation. Maybe you're just, you're devastated. You're just struggling. Maybe it's a relational situation. Someone has crushed your heart. Maybe it's a financial situation. You don't know know how you're going to make ends meet. Maybe it's a physical situation. Maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer. You feel like, man, I'm flat on my back. It's time for a comeback. And it only comes through the power that comes through Christ i'm just telling you man god wants to pick us up he wants to help us up man and let us go back into the battle and say you know what i'm not done my god's not done with me yet there's so often that man we want to hear hey you're not good enough you don't qualify you don't have what it takes you'll never make it but we need to be reminded you know what man if god is for us who can be against us and we get up and we say you know what i'm going back so here's some steps we need, we need to take steps. You know, every once in a while we just need to say, you know, all right, I'm getting up off this mat. What's the first, first step? And I, I believe this is critical. we got to believe. we got to believe that the cross was for me. we got to believe that the blood that was poured out was for me we got to believe that the blood of Christ can wash away our sins. we got to believe with all the faith that we have that Jesus is the Son of God. we got to believe with everything that's in us that, you know what, he laid in a, in a borrowed tomb for three days, but he also went to hell, and he defeated hell, he defeated death, he defeated the grave, and then he was resurrected by the power of God. I believe it with everything that's in me. And whenever we believe that, it changes us. It changed the disciples. It changed Saul, who would become Paul, who would preach the gospel anywhere and everywhere. It empowered them. It emboldened them. Has it changed you? We've got to believe. There may be somebody here, maybe you're watching online, need to put your faith in Jesus for salvation. Quit trying to be good enough. Quit trying to be religious enough. And, and just thinking, hey, I don't think I'm ever going to qualify But to say it's not what I do, it's what Jesus did on the cross. It's what Jesus paid for. It's what Jesus has done. And if we receive that gift of eternal life, it's because of what he has done. Here's the last one. Maybe for you is to get up and start your comeback. Today, I'm moving in a new direction. Today, I'm starting my comeback. With God's help, he's not done with me. And I'm not done. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know what God is dealing with you about. I don't know what your decision is today. But I know that you're here for a reason. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And maybe, maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've never thought about the cross the way you're thinking about it right now. You've never thought about the power of the resurrection the way you're thinking about it right now. You've never thought about the disciples seeing him and being changed by that. Maybe today you realize you need Jesus. Maybe today you realize that salvation can be yours by receiving the gift that was purchased by Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity just in your heart of hearts just just say, Jesus I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you can save me. Jesus, I believe with All the faith that I have that you went to the cross for me. You died for me. You purchased me. And you've redeemed me. So Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. So Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. That's my plea today. If you just prayed that prayer... I want to ask you if you would would you raise your hand and just say mike i just prayed to receive christ i just asked jesus to come into my life i see your hand right over here Let me, hey look up here at me if you just raised your hand if you raised your hand here's the thing you become his child today you're part of his family just embrace that anybody else got the courage to raise your hand right here i see your hand look at me if you raised your hand you have been adopted into his family today you're his child jesus purchased you now you're part of his family you're part of the church Anybody else, just raise your hand and say, say, Mike, I prayed that prayer. I just asked Christ to come into my life. Man, praise God these two have put their faith in Christ. The Bible says that if one calls on Christ to be redeemed, that all of heaven is rejoicing. Don't you know there's a party in heaven today as these two have been saved? Woo! good stuff. I believe there are people here in the room that need a comeback. Man, that you, you feel like, you know, I, Mike, I'm beat down. I don't know if I've got anything left in me. It's not what you bring to the table. It's what Jesus brings to the table. And maybe today you just claim and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to help me. I need your strength. I need you to come and work in me. And here's the thing, maybe, you know, maybe he's already shown you some things to do, but you're just not doing them. Start doing what he's telling you to do. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in his word and trust him with each step. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you for the power of the resurrection. I thank you for the gospel message. I thank you for these that have put their faith in you for salvation. I thank you for the cross of Christ. God, I thank you that you love us. God, I thank you that you have pursued us. You're chasing after us. And God, not only do you want to reach us, God, you want to use us to make a difference in this world. You want us to take this message to everybody that we know. So God, thank you for trusting us in that way. God, we love you and we celebrate Easter. Thank you for being able to be together as the church. And God, thank you for redemption. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey.